0: When you drive into Pradasdorp, it could be any small town, a church spire is the highest feature on the horizon, a main street lined with the typical shops of a small town. In wintertime, the fields around the town are green, growing wheat for the next harvest. It's average, standard, but there's a darker side to this little town that was thrust into the international spotlight in 2013. Good morning. I'm Regan Thor. The gang rape and murder of a teenage girl in the small town of Bredarsdorp has left the local community stunned. 17-year-old Anine Boyson was raped and severely beaten by several men. In the Early Obotown one February Saturday, morning, a security guard found 17-year-old Anine Boyson on an open construction site. She was barely clinging to life, having been gang raped and disemboweled.
1: We still think of her a lot. It brings bad memories. She was our little one, and she was always around us, and suddenly she was hurt away, uh, brutally. We still can make peace with it, because every year on the 2nd of February we think about it.
0: That's Anin's aunt, Wilma Brooks. Not an aunt by blood though, Anin was brought up by a foster mother, having been taken from her biological family. Like many teens in the area, she dropped out of school at 15 when she was only midway through grade 7. At 17, she wound up one night at a local Shabin. The last time she was seen alive was when she left that place with the man eventually convicted for her murder. Wilma remembers where she was when she heard what had
1: happened to Anin. I was sitting here in front of my back door. Then my sister's son come around and he say, unto Wilma, I got something to tell you. He say that Anin has been hurt. I say, oh, like that. Oh, she's been hurt. Then he said that my sister in the hospital. And then he described what happened to her. And it was like I couldn't speak. I was just dumbstumped as I couldn't speak because it was in shock. Because it was terrible, terrible.
0: Anin was a fighter and hung on just long enough to tell police what had happened to her. She told them a group of men had attacked her and spoke one name. Zwei, the nickname of a local man, Jonathan Davids. He was one of three men arrested in connection with the attack, but charges against him were later withdrawn and ultimately only one suspect was sent to jail. Johannes Kana confessed to raping Anin, but not to her murder. However, he was convicted of both and is currently serving two consecutive life sentences in a free state prison. Now, seven years into his sentence, Kana wants his case reopened. He spoke to eyewitness news from prison. I didn't do that thing. Kana argues his conviction rested on hearsay with no direct evidence linking him to the murder. Even the witnesses who testified, they testified I was there at different times. How is it possible that they can find someone guilty on hearsay evidence? And no one can say he killed this person? There's no DNA evidence, there's no fingerprints in that place. So I asked myself, how was I found guilty when there's nothing to support that finding? Even my lawyer, when I asked him, he said this is a hearsay thing and the state didn't have enough evidence to sentence me. Why then did Kana plead guilty to her rape? He's silent for a long time before he responds. Because I didn't know better. The police are convinced they got their man. Well, the man who actually murdered Anin at least. And cluster commander for the Overberg region, Donovan Heilbronn, says there was indeed positive forensic evidence linking him to the crime.
1: He have the right to, to call for retrial. He has a right to question certain certain elements that was used in the investigation. But I mean, the justice will not find a person guilty with a double life sentence if there was no sufficient and substantial evidence, you know, against him. I mean, in the investigation, we had enough evidence to place him on the scene. We had forensic, you know, uh, linkages where clothing, semen, as well as blood, you know, were found on the scene. It was compared. It was matched. Hence the decision that was taken.
0: Surprisingly though, even Anin's family is sceptical. Her aunt told us she doesn't believe the right person is
1: being punished for the crime. We just got that feeling that it wasn't him. I think he's innocent. I think he's innocent.
0: Then who killed Anin?
1: I don't know. But they always say there's a saying what you... Do in the dark will come out in the light. Somehow it's going to come out. Maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, but it will come out.
0: For the family, there's a lot that's still not clear about the murder and though Volma has tried to process the loss, it's constantly there.
1: I put everything away, everything. The stuff she made... um, I put it away. It was memories of her. I put everything away. It was last year. She was old, always like a quiet kid and but love to be around us, family. And maybe she met wrong friends. Because she started to drink, I didn't even know that she was drinking. I think if, there was a bench that we can sit together. And the question I would like to ask her is, Anin, what really happened on that night? Because there's a lot of questions that's still being asked.
0: Whether Kana was indeed the person who murdered Anin or not, in her deathbed statement, the 17-year-old told police multiple men had attacked her. Five or six to be precise. Police only ever made three arrests and only Kana was judged guilty, leaving at least four of her attackers still out there, living free and unpunished. A young life snuffed out in the most brutal way, incomplete justice, a family still grieving seven years on. Is there any point of hope in this story that seems so uniformly dark? After the murder, there was a flurry of activity. Within a year, then-National Education Minister Bladen Zamande turned the sod at a multi-million rand skills development centre named in Anin's honour.
2: Let's build something that will give hope to the youth of this place so that they have something to do and not be involved in things that are destructive, that are not going to take them forward. And we really hope that... The youth of this place will make full use of the centre to acquire skills so that they empower themselves.
0: Today the centre is still going. We met one of the facilitators, a former trainer in a big retail corporate who is putting his skills to use here. Theo van Diemen has not been here long but already he's is seeing the effects of the deprived backgrounds his students come from.
2: I mean I facilitate these learners on a daily basis. I get to know them. And I can obviously see that is, there is a need for it. And the learners that are in class, they, they show a lot of potential and commitment and sacrifice. But there's obviously certain um, things that stand in their way and block their future path, if I can put it that way. Oh, there's a lot of challenges. Where these learners come from? Their, their, their background, their home, family. There's so many. There's really so many. Alcohol comes in. Drugs and, 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 you know, um, peer pressure, influence.
0: But among his students, there's hope.
2: The learners that I've got here, they, they, they show commitment. They're persistent in what they want. They ask the right questions. So that obviously tells me that um, in a community like this, it's, it's, not, it's not what you see. You need to meet these people and, and, and speak to them. They know what they want, and it sort of inspires you to, to, to pass on the knowledge and teach them you know, whatever it is that they need to be aware of their background, where they come from and, and again, go forward.
0: That's what brought 20-year-old Janine Dali here. She dropped out of school in grade 10 and came to live with her grandparents, ironically, on the very same street that Anine lived.
1: It's only nearby me. I stand in that street, um, Lalina Gwen Street, and she's not in the back. That she was dropped there. My friends were telling me she was right and also that kind of stuff that was happened to her. And it was very sad because I was thinking, I'm also a young um, learner, and it can also happen to me, but only God have reason. But Every time when I walk, my wind and night going to shop, I'm also scared because I think only that can happen to me as a young person here. That's why I'm very scared sometimes to walk because I, I can see that what happened before. In the next year, um, when I'm finished here, I want to go to study further. Because I'm the only one in my mother's um, children, they don't finish my tree. And I was telling myself, after I'm finished girl, yeah, I want to make a better person for myself because I want to make my parents also proud that I can see oh, she, she is taking a step, for, um, a, step, a step further.
0: She hopes to become a teacher someday and to forge a better life for herself, a life of security and meaning, a life that was denied to Anin. The story of the dark side of Zorp doesn't begin or end with Anin. In the next episode, we look at some of the other cases that have shaken this sleepy part of the country and we ask why it seems the murders and abuse here seem so very gruesome.